welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. Ephesians 5, please, and verse 18. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and this is actually to the church everywhere. That's why these letters were recorded in Holy Scripture. This was a local church in Paul's day as he wrote this, but this applies to every Christian and every church. How do I want to say it? Every <clears throat> legitimate church that Jesus established, this is writing to all of us. And so, don't let the letter to the Ephesians throw you. This is to the church in Grand Junction, too. So, listen to what he says to born-again Christians who had a Spirit-filled experience. Listen to what he says here in Ephesians 5, verse 17. Wherefore, be you not unwise. We just talked about that during the offering. But... You understanding what the will of the Lord is. Anybody ever think about that? What's the will of God for your life? It's interesting because the devil has a will for your life. He wants to tempt you to go down wrong roads. He wants to hurt you. He wants to destroy you, slap you upside the face. He wants to mess with you. And so he's got things he's trying to pull you into. You know what I mean? Lure you into through temptation and, and desires of the flesh and things that are against the will of God. And then you have a will. You want to do some things in life. But then God has a will for your life. And other people may have things they want you to do. Everybody has all these wills. The devil has a will for your life. You have a will for your life. Other people have a will for your life. And then God has a will for your life. Well, if you want life to be amazing... Put God's will on top of the list. Are you following me? And he's saying here, don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Somebody could have eight years of higher education, all kinds of letters after their name, you know, bachelors in this and professional this and, you know, doctorate in this. But if those people don't know about the will of God, they're still not wise in God's eyes. They just have a bunch of natural knowledge that's going to fade away when they're gone. But here it says wisdom actually begins where the will of God is known. He says, don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And one of the things that the will of the Lord is for you and me and all church people everywhere is the next verse. Anybody want to know what the will of God is for your life? This is a huge deal. He said, this is the will of God. Don't be drunk with wine, wherein is excess. And I'll explain to you in a minute what he's talking about there. But, you got something better. But be filled with the Spirit. Now, notice the capital S. He's talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Which is amazing that we can even have this. Now, the world can't have this. You have to be born again before you can be filled with the Spirit. And they're two separate experiences. You're not filled with the Spirit just because you're born again. There's a work of the Holy Spirit in being born again, but it's not being filled with the Spirit. And we'll talk about that some more in just a minute. So Paul's writing, did you ever think about Paul's writing 
If you read chapter 1, verse 1, verse 2, he's writing to the church at Ephesus, born again, saved children of God. And he's telling born again, saved children of God, be filled with the Spirit. Must mean that you can be a child of God and not be filled with the Spirit of God. Or why tell people that are children of God, be filled with the Spirit. Y'all getting this? Because yep. one of the lies of the devil is, oh, you're a Christian, you're already filled with the Holy Spirit. And the reason he's lying to people about that is so they won't take the next step into greater power. Let me tell you, two of the biggest things the devil and demons are endeavoring to do to everybody on this planet. Number one, keep people thinking they don't need Jesus. Through feelings and thoughts and, and all kinds of stuff, trying to convince them, I don't need Jesus, I'm doing fine, I'm just going to be a good person and, and help people. Well, if that's all you needed to get to heaven, then why did Jesus die on a cross, shed his blood, go to hell and rise from the dead? If you could get to heaven just by being good. Right, that's right. Wouldn't that be a waste of what the Lord did? Why would he go through all that pain to save us if good works could save us? Good works can't... There are many good people in hell today. That's right. Do you know that? And they're not there because God wants them there. They're there because they didn't take the only hand to lift them out before they left the earth. God's not sending anybody to hell. God gives man an option. And God gives man a choice. Adam messed this whole thing up. And if we don't get off the road Adam put us on by receiving Jesus, we stay on the road Adam put us on. And we end up, and people end up in a place called hell that God never wanted them to end up in. Just people just need to realize, people get this idea, God's a mean God. Who, what loving God would send people to hell? You don't have to send people to hell who are already on the road to hell. All right? Adam messed this whole thing up. And through what he did, people are on that road. So I wanted to talk to you tonight a little bit more about why believers are not taking this verse seriously. Why believers are not hungry for a spirit-filled life. They're born again, they're children of God, but they've got all these problems in their life. They fall for all these temptations, almost just like the world. They have all these oppressions and problems, just like worldly people. And one of the reasons is, is because they haven't taken the step of learning what it means to live a spirit-filled life. You don't have to be spirit-filled to go to heaven when you die. You just need to be born of the Spirit. But if you want to live in some victory and help other people powerfully till you get to heaven, you're going to need to, to be a spirit-filled Christian. Not an experience you look back to four months ago, an ongoing, everyday experience with God where you're filled with Him constantly. And this is the answer to so many people's problems. So let's just talk about this for a little bit here. Read it again, verse, verse 18. Don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, hold your finger here and turn to Acts chapter 2. I want to show you what he's talking about here. We're going to look at some initial infillings of the Holy Spirit, and then we're going to talk about maintaining a Spirit-filled life after an initial experience. You know what I mean by an initial experience? The day... Jesus baptized you in the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's the initial, but that's not where it's supposed to stop. We're supposed to maintain a Spirit-filled life after we're initially filled with the Spirit. So in Acts chapter 2, this is the church age. This is the times we're living in right here. It says in verse 1, Acts 2, 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they, about 120 of them, 
were all with one accord in one place. Now this is after Jesus had left the earth realm, risen from the dead, and ascended to the Father. He's at the right hand of the Father. And it says here, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they, his disciples and some other people, were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. This is in a building. And it filled the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, you know, be filled with the Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. How many think these people are glad they were in the meeting that day instead of just watching online? <laughs> Nothing against you all watching online. I'm just saying, if you can be in a meeting, you might want to be there because I wouldn't want to be one of the ones that said, so, so it looks like you had a great meeting. Yeah, tongues of fire, rushing mighty wind, the Holy Ghost fell. I saw it online. <laughs> oh God, you should have been there. <laughs> but it says they were there. This was powerful. And so all these believers got filled with the Holy Spirit and there was an overflow. Somebody tell me what the overflow was. Like when you fill a glass of water, go, what was the overflow? They spoke with tongues. They got filled with the Holy Spirit and something came out of their mouth. Words that they never learned, a heavenly language that nobody understood except God. And some of these other people that this day understood them because they were from other nations. So this is, this is the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit into the earth realm so every believer could be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is one of the reasons we don't see tongues of fire and rushing mighty wind because this was the Holy Spirit's grand entrance into the earth realm. Every time somebody's filled with the Spirit, there doesn't have to be a rushing mighty wind yeah. and there doesn't have to be tongues of fire. Right. He's here. He doesn't have to blow again. He's here, right? Mm -hmm. Now people just need to receive. And so look in Acts chapter 10. This is actually about 10 years after this experience we just read here. In the book of Acts, they're preaching the gospel everywhere. People are getting saved and healed and filled with the Spirit and they're doing the work of God. And so in Acts chapter 10, this is really interesting because Peter, in verse 34, opened his mouth and started preaching about the power of God and the, the love of God and the faith of God. And so he's firing away in the sermon and he gets down to verse um, 44. It says, while Peter yet spoke these words, and he's preaching in a, in a house, kind of like we're hearing preaching right now. He says, while Peter spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, and as many as with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also, the non-Jews, was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Now we got a bunch of non-Jewish people, heard a powerful sermon, the Holy Ghost fell on them, and how do we know they got filled with the Holy Spirit? There was an overflow. They spoke with other tongues and they magnified God. Look in Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. I want you to notice verse 1. <clears throat> now remember, we're reading out of Ephesians, right? Ephesians 5.18, right? Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, right? Okay, this is that church right here in this beginning stage. Acts chapter 19, verse 1. And it came to pass... While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. 
And finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Hey, you disciples of Jesus, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not much heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Paul said to them, Unto what then were you baptized? They said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying that the, to the people that they should believe on him, which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When these disciples heard this at Ephesus, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about twelve. So here we have again, the Holy Ghost came on them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and there was an overflow. And what was the overflow? What was the overflow? They heard them speak with tongues and they prophesied. So speaking in tongues again. And speaking in tongues is a whole message in itself. Speaking in tongues is basically when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God enables you to speak from your spirit words your minds never learned. Perfect prayers, worship toward God, praying for others beyond your mental understanding. Praying in tongues is one of the most powerful end time assets that the Lord's given the body of Christ that needs to be more respected and received in these last days. Powerful. Speaking in tongues is one of the most powerful things the Lord has given the end time church. It's distinct to our, our dispensation. So, back to Ephesians 5.18. Those are three, three times in the New Testament where it talked... Oh, actually, before you do that, go to Acts 2, and then we'll go back to Ephesians 5. I want to show you this because a lot of people think, well, that, I don't know if that's for me. I don't know if that's for me. It's for you. Okay. So look here in Acts chapter 2. So Peter is teaching the people what had happened on this day of Pentecost. Because all these people from all these other nations heard them speaking with tongues. It had gotten to the streets. They would gotten outside. And it says here, verse 37, Now when they heard this, all these people... They heard Peter's sermon. It said they were pricked in their heart. And then said Peter unto the rest of the, and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren... What shall we do? And Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission or wiping away of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And if you wonder if you're called, you are, because the word in the Greek means invited. For as many as that are invited. Everybody's been invited. And so this is for everybody. Oh, if I was a preacher, I'd be, I'd, I'd probably get filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with tongues. No, this is for everybody. To all that are afar off. Go back to Ephesians 5 and verse 18. Paul's word to this church who was a spirit-filled church, which is very interesting to me that Paul would tell a born-again church, you know, people that are born again, who had an experience of being filled with the Spirit. It's very interesting to me that he would tell them to be filled with the Spirit. You think, well, they are. No, no. We, we use the term Spirit-filled too generally. It's almost like a denominational tag. Well, I'm a Spirit-filled Christian. Every day? Or just did you have an experience two months ago? Where you got hands laid on you, you got filled with the Spirit, and you spoke with tongues. Because that's not, that's not present tense, Spirit-filled Christianity. 
Spirit-filled Christianity is what you do every day to maintain an infilling of the Holy Spirit. So Ephesians 5, verse 18, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. One of the things I see the Lord bringing out to this verse here is He's saying people are trying to get from alcohol what only being filled with the Holy Spirit can give you. I mean, why would you have both in the same verse? He's telling us something. He's saying, listen, you have the better, believer. You have the better. How many think the Holy Spirit can do a little bit more for you than a buzz that alcohol could do for you? He said, you have the better. Now, if you've never had the better, I understand a little why you're so pulled into the cheaper. I, I, I can understand that. I can see that. Because who wants to go through life sober? This is a mess down here. And I'm not advocating drinking alcohol. I'm saying get filled with the Spirit and you're not going to want the cheap when you have the best. We should be so... What did I say in the post today? I said we should be so high on God that people ask us, what are we on? What do you want? I want some of that stuff. Well, it's not stuff, number one. It's the Spirit of God. And if you really want it, ah, lay hands on Him and believe for it. (laughs) And believe for it, right? Paul laid hands on Him and the Holy Ghost came upon them. He spoke with tongues and prophesied. So... One of the things I believe the Lord's saying, that we can keep that scripture up there for a while because we're going to hang out here just for a minute. People are trying to get from alcohol what only being filled with the Spirit can give. Alright? Now, if you notice the word excess, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. That word excess in the original Young's literal translation of the scriptures is dissoluteness. And that word means warped, and degrading. Now he's not saying people are warped and people are degrading who drink wine and drink alcohol. He's not saying that. He's saying to think. To think that being drunk on wine is the way to go, that's a warped thought. There is something so... It's not like God's saying, I don't want you drinking wine. He's saying, I got something better. You see, he's not saying, I don't want you to drink. He said, I got something better than alcohol. You don't, have to, you don't have to go escape into an alcohol binge because of all the pressures and problems in your life. You can, you can get filled with the Spirit and not only, not only uh, you know, cover up, but get free from yeah. those problems. Yeah. Yes. I know, and I, I used to drink, I used to do drugs. I did weird things. I mean, I just... Needles and acid and all kinds of stuff. I've I've had that in the world. It all ended in some kind of destruction of brain cells and relationships and just, just terrible headaches and awful stuff. But I've also been high on what I'm talking to you about today. And there's nothing like being filled with the Spirit. There's no drug. There's no, there's no drink. There's no person who can give you what only God can give you. And, and, and the devil, number one, is doing his best to keep people deceived into thinking they don't need Jesus so they don't get saved. But if you get saved, if you get born again, the devil doesn't stop with his attacks. Now he's going to attack the believer and make you think you don't need to be filled with the Spirit. you got a ticket to heaven. What's the big deal? You 
huge deal. A dying, crying, sighing world all around us needs us filled with the Spirit because little pats on the back isn't going to set some people free. We're going to need to be operating in the power of God and that's only going to happen if we're filled with the Spirit. You know what I mean by filled? We're going to talk about what it means to be filled with the Spirit and how to live a Spirit-filled life. We talk about this stuff regularly in the church because it's so important. Huge deal. Now, how many of you agree? This is God talking to us, right? We, we say the Bible is God talking to me. God said, don't be drunk with wine when there's excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So if he says be filled with the Holy Spirit and we don't do that, what's that called? Sin. Disobedience. Yeah. Wow, I see right here. It says thou shalt not kill. I obey you, Lord. I obey you. Oh, it says right here, thou shalt not lie. I obey you, Lord. I obey you, Lord. Uh, and it says right here, uh, be filled with the Spirit. Well, I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> Same God. Same Lord. So I said we find out what this is and quit being disobedient. So, what he's saying here is, is to seek escape or to seek relief from alcohol is actually degrading and warped compared to what you could have in your life. It's wonderful. I, I don't like to, to preach. I, I think people should just see the amazing life of God and then want to do what others are doing to have that in their life. Um, my, my biggest word to, to the whole alcohol thing in the church, and, and you know, because there's a lot of alcohol problems in the church, which is sad, because some people take it way too far and it gets crazy and just weird. But um, my, my word about the whole alcohol thing is just simply this. There's something a lot better. There's something way better than any buzz you can get from Annie Green Springs <laughs> or Boone's Farm or Cold Duck or Jack Daniels or meth or Coke or marijuana. Now, I understand, see, because using wine as a medicine is one thing. You know, doctor prescribed, you know. Paul, Paul told Timothy, use a little wine for your stomach's sake and you're often infirmities. He was talking about a couple of teaspoons probably, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> use it like a medicine until you, know, you boil the water or whatever. But, listen closely. Don't let the devil beat you up about this either. I am... Um, <clears throat> there's a lot of people that refer to Old Testament scriptures about drinking, you know, proving that it's okay. But the interesting thing about it is there's a lot of scriptures in the Old Testament that talk about it being a mockery and uh, unwise if you're involved with it and um, just so, so there's, there's scriptures almost like on both sides but you know when you look at the Old Testament for things like this one thing they didn't have in the Old Testament that we have today anybody know what that is? the opportunity to be filled with the Spirit of God. That couldn't happen in the Old Testament they needed some things to you know, we don't need in the New Testament we um I'm just going to say this. We, we touched on a little bit of it last week. Um, Carla and I, we've been through a lot in our 34 years of ministry. And I think we still look pretty good for all we've been through. <laughs> and we feel good. And, and we're happy. And we're blessed. But we've been through a lot. More than the average person. Maritally, ministry, children, 
Yeah. And thank God all of our kids love God today, serve God in the church, love that, praise the grandkids. Yep. But there's been some battles that have come against us. And some maybe self-inflicted by me, and, but because Carla's perfect. Uh, <laughs> praise the Lord. That's your first sin right there. You lied. <laughs> um, but we've been through some stuff. I mean, stuff that many people don't make it through. Stuff that people are in heavy medication for. And thank God we haven't had to take any medication for the things we've been through. Not that we've never taken a Tylenol, I'm just saying. But one thing that I felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you about us is that we had enough word in us. We had been around the right teachings long enough. So when the crisis and pressure came, we knew where to turn. We turned to speaking in tongues, praying in the spirit, living a spirit filled life, hearing sermons, doing those things that help us to live a spirit filled life. And we made it. But we have seen others very close to us turn to wine and their marriages didn't make it for their escape, for their help. They turned to alcohol. They turned to the things of the world and, and they didn't make it. Well, there's no guarantee you're going to make it if you turn to something else other than the Lord. But man, we, we, we knew we had, we had to turn the right way. And I'm so thankful that we were in the groove because of our environment, our associations, and our teachings, that when the crisis came, we went to the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Now, if we had been living a different way and not going to church and doing our own thing, we might have gravitated toward Jack Daniels too. We might have gravitated toward something else. And we wouldn't be together today. I guarantee you we wouldn't be together if we didn't turn to the Holy Spirit when things got tough in our life. And so... Why go back to a buzz from these worldly things when we have so much better that we could turn to? All right, so I want you to listen now. I'm going to talk to you about a couple things we talked about last week, and then we'll close here because we don't go too long. But um, I mentioned to you last week that there are certain things that need to be a part of our lifestyle in order to maintain a spirit-filled life. You, you don't just maintain a spirit-filled life because you want to or because you're excited as a believer. Or, you know, there's certain things you have to do, and, and it has a lot to do with what you do at the beginning of the day, too. I mean, many people are in such a hurry, they just never have time to do the simple things to be filled with the Spirit. And then they encounter a temptation, and they fall into it, and their marriage is destroyed because they weren't filled with the Spirit. Right. Are you following me? Yeah. I mean, there, there's... One of the, okay, when we're talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit, we're talking about being filled with God. Are you listening? God said in the beginning, let us create man in our own image and after our likeness. God said, Genesis, God said, let us. Who's us? God said, let us. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God the Father is in a real place called heaven right now, seated on a throne. Jesus is sitting at his right hand geographically. The agent of God in the earth realm is the Holy Spirit. And he is God, the Spirit. So when the, when the Bible talks about being filled with the Spirit or being filled with the Spirit of God, he's talking about you being filled with God in the earth realm. Well, let me ask you a question. If you're filled with God, how much room is there for depression? 
Many, many Christians have problems in their life for one simple reason. They have room for them. And they're trying to kick all these problems out. They keep coming back like a rubber band. They kick them out. They come back. Well, you gotta, it's not kicking out. It's getting something better in so there's no room for the junk that's been binding you. Big, big mondo problem in the church today is that Christians are satisfied without being filled with the Spirit. I know it doesn't, satisfaction doesn't sound like a problem. It's a huge problem. Jesus said, Woe unto you that are full of all these other things and have no hunger for God. Woe unto you that aren't hungry for the things of God. Woe, Jesus saying, W-O-E, that's big time. You don't want him looking at you going, Woe unto you. He said, Woe unto you that are full of all these other things to where you're not hungry for the things of God. So a lot of times in order to live, maintain a spirit-filled life, you have to delete some stuff and fast some stuff and get some stuff out of your life and start getting a hunger in you for the things of God instead of turning all this cheap junk food stuff, spiritually speaking, to where you don't want God. You don't want the fullness of God. The Bible says, blessed are those that are hungry and thirsty. They will be filled after righteousness. They'll be filled. So I wanted to just bring this out again. There's some enemies to you and me maintaining a spirit-filled life. Enemies to you and me doing what we should do to maintain a spirit-filled life. Anybody want to know what those enemies are? Number one, lies. Lies of the devil. Let me give you three lies under this one point. Lie number one is, if you're saved, you're filled. No, if you're saved, you're saved. The Bible talks about two distinct experiences. Jesus says when you're born again, there's a well of water in you springing up to everlasting life. You're saved. That well is in you. You know you're saved. You're going to heaven when you die. But then the Bible says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water by this spake he of the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit. So there's a well from being born of the Spirit and there's rivers coming out of you when you're filled with the Spirit. You and I need both. Can you be a child of God and not be full of the Holy Spirit? Answer, Jesus was for 30 years. How many believe Jesus was a child of God from birth till 30 years old? Anybody believe Jesus was a son of God when he was born up to 30 years old? How many believe that? Well, he wasn't full of the Holy Ghost until he was baptized of John in the river Jordan. And the Bible says the Holy Ghost descended upon him. John saw it. Heavens opened, the Spirit of God descended like a dove, and it said Jesus then was full of the Holy Ghost. So he was a child of God and not full of the Holy Ghost until he was 30 years old, then he got full of the Holy Ghost. You can be a child of God and not filled. We need to be saved and we need to be filled. Very important. You'll make it to heaven on being saved. We understand that. But being filled is another experience. If you really want to do the will of God and you want to be the help that the people around you need and you really want to pray powerful prayers and worship God to the highest level and walk in the greatest power, you need to be filled. Can I just say this? I'm going to say it anyway. Um, if Jesus needed to be filled with the Spirit, uh, we probably need to be filled with the Spirit. <laughs> I mean, come on, if the Master needed to be filled with the Spirit to fulfill the will of God, we're going to need to be full of the Holy Ghost. 
Herein, so many believers are frustrated and have given up on certain things that the Lord told them to do is because they're trying to do those things without the power to do it. There's a lot of things you and I can't do unless we receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And not doing them and saying I can't do it is not an excuse when the Lord's given us the ability. Anybody interested in how to maintain a spirit-filled life? Because this should be whetting your appetite. So one, one of those lies. So there's, there's enemies to being filled with the Spirit, and one of them is lies. And under the category lies, there's three lies. Number one, the devil says, if you're saved, you're filled. And if you believe that, you won't pursue being filled. You think you already have it, and you don't. Number two lie, under that first point, is... Oh, being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking with other tongues? Yeah, yeah, that's great, but it's not for today. Lie. It is for today. The requirements that the Lord puts on us are for today, and the ability to fulfill those requirements must be for today. And number three lie under that first point is, well, yeah, okay, um, I, I, I realize that. I'm saved, but that doesn't mean I'm filled. Okay, I see it's two separate experiences. Okay, overcome that lie. Yep, got it. Number two, uh, yeah, I believe it's for today. I do believe being filled with the Holy Spirit is for today. But, here's where the number three lie comes in. But, it's not really that important. I mean, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I'm happy. <laughs> do, do you realize that the enemies? Warfare is so subtle that most people have no recognition of it at all. The enemy has a way of making believers feel and think that being filled with the Holy Spirit, maintaining a Spirit-filled life, speaking in tongues every day of your life, is really not that important. When it is vital. Did you ever think about it? If you're filled with the Spirit of God, how hard would it be to resist temptation if you're really filled with God? How hard should it be to resist temptation if you're filled with God at the moment? How hard would it be to be healed and walk in health if you're filled with God? How hard would it be to resist sickness successfully if you're filled with God? How hard would it be to understand, you know, why you're not prospering and, and how to prosper and get stuff paid off and to be a greater blessing to the church? How, how hard would that be if you're filled with God? There's signs of not being filled with the Spirit. Can I just tell you a couple signs of not being filled with the Spirit? You're critical of other people. That's a good sign. At that moment, you ain't filled. <laughs> Another sign that you're, and I'll show you some of these things. Another sign that you're not filled with the Spirit at the moment. You could be saved, could be a child of God, could you know, be on your way to heaven when you die. But another sign you're not filled with the Spirit is you're worrying. Another sign that you're filled with the Spirit, not, not filled with the Spirit, I'm sorry, that you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, is that you have this complaining about you. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> That's a sign you're not filled at the moment. I know I say this a lot, but it's so thought-provoking that you and I both know that this is reality, that there are actually Christians in prison today for doing something they shouldn't have done. And it all stems to the, the reason of they were not filled with the Holy Spirit the day of the crime. 
or they wouldn't have even wanted to lust out or do that thing. Interesting that there could be believers, you know, in, in prison today because they weren't filled with the Spirit and had the power to resist temptation when it came the day of the crime. I mean, can we just, can we analyze this, okay? We're called to live a holy life. How hard would it be to live a holy life if you're filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit of God? Right? Really, being filled with the Spirit is about the power of God working through you even more than you are working through you. You know, when you're drunk on alcohol, something else is controlling your actions. Something else is influencing your decisions. It's not even you. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, guess who's helping you to make decisions? Guess who's influencing you to get through the greatest storm of your life? More than you. Now, do you know why John said, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world? That's powerful. Glory to God. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, caught up with the things of God, prayed in the morning, praying throughout the day when you can, worshiping the Lord, hearing a good sermon. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's just, you don't make so many mistakes. Are you, feeling, you hearing what I'm saying? You don't violate love as much, right? You, you're coming up, you're... So, people don't think being filled with the Holy Spirit is that important until a crisis hits. What should we do? Well, we should think it's important before the crisis hits because maybe we would avoid it or for sure we'd get through it. Don't, don't wait to be interested in the Holy Spirit until after you fall into a temptation that destroys your marriage. It's okay to say amen. Nobody's going to hold, 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 you, hold you to it. <laughs> Come on, let me say that again. You, 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 people, a lot of times, aren't interested in these things until the bad doctors report. There is a preventative way of living from a lot of these adversities that come against all these people. One thing about being filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll find this out, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're more keen to the direction God has for your life, which is completely avoiding of catastrophes and tragedies. Now, I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I was not led by the Spirit, and I got hurt terribly. But God's a healer, God's a restorer, He can fix anything. But I, I personally have encountered what I call unnecessary adversities many times in my life simply because my direction was a little off because I was more in tune to things of the world than the Holy Spirit. And it was not good. <clears throat> um, I don't know if I want to say that. And I said, Lord, would it help or would it hurt? <laughs> You know, there are some people that have given in to certain lifestyles. And my, my personal belief on this, when a person, a follower of Jesus, starts living a life that Jesus wasn't even close to living, um, the only thing I can see is going on, one of the things I can see going on there is they just have not understood that they could live a life filled with God. 
Because if you don't understand that you can live a life filled with God, I understand why a lot of these people go with the way of their strong desires and they go the way of their strong feelings because if you don't have anything greater in your life than your feelings, you're probably going to go that way. How many know the Holy Spirit is greater than your feelings? Greater than your desires? Has the power to help you control your own will? Hmm? Powerful. So let me read these few things here. Um... I know this from personal experience, and I know it from scriptures as well, that a lot of people who have made mistakes and have sinned and have messed up their lives, they have a hard time fully recovering because they can't comprehend supernatural forgiveness because they don't understand being filled with the Spirit. One of the greatest things that happened to me when I got filled with the Spirit and started staying and maintaining a Spirit-filled life, and I'm not saying I've done it perfect, but one of the greatest things that happened to me is that that I started praying in tongues on a daily basis and miracles became more real to me. Full restoration from a loving God became more big and real to me. Um, supernatural forgiveness became more real to me because I'm operating in the supernatural. Praying in tongues keeps my mind on God, keeps my mind on the supernatural power of God. Now it's not that hard to believe for healing. Now it's not that hard to believe for supernatural restoration. Now it's not that hard to believe for forgiveness. I'm already doing something supernatural every day. Why would it be hard to switch and go to this thing over here? Boy, that's a good word. Um, Peter denies the Lord three times. Says, I don't want, I'm not your disciple anymore. And that's why Jesus said, go, go tell my disciples and Peter. <laughs> hey, Peter denied him. Right. Lord's not going to force himself back into his life as Lord and Savior. He said, go tell my disciples and Peter that I'll meet you in Jerusalem or whatever. After he had risen from the dead, Peter said, I'm not a disciple anymore. And the Lord respected that. So Peter basically commits the greatest sin you could ever commit, denying the Lord. That's how you go to hell. All right? Commits the greatest sin of his life, right? Worst mistake of his life. About 50 days later, on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, he gets filled with the Holy Ghost. Preaches one of the greatest sermons on record. Becomes a pillar in the church. His shadow's getting people healed. Peter's doing more powerful things for the Lord after the greatest mistake of his life than he did up to that point. And one major reason is he was in the upper room. He got filled with the Holy Ghost. He started speaking in tongues. He could comprehend supernatural deliverance. And in 50 days, he's restored to the, a pillar in the church. Not only disciple, but apostle Peter. And I believe one of the reasons he chose that way is because he realized through being filled with the Spirit, all things are possible. Oh, glory to God. So many people would still be married today if they turned to being filled with the Holy Spirit instead of alcohol when trouble came their way. Final thing I'll say to you, because we have to close. Many people, now this came to me, and I have more, but I can't get to it all right now. Um, I'm going to try to say this in just about like 60 seconds. Many people are offended and critical about things people have done to them or not done to them. Let me, let me tell you why a lot of Christians are offended and critical. You want to tell me why? Because the biggest thing in their life is what that person did to them. Wait, wait, wait. 
Are you telling me? Please tell me that what that person did to you or said about you is not the biggest thing in your life. Please tell me there's something bigger in your life than that. Like your high calling, like experiences of a spirit-filled life, like your heavenly vision. Please tell me there's something bigger in your life than so-and-so rubbing you the wrong way. Come on, these are signs of not being filled with the Spirit. If, if what somebody did to you or didn't do to you, or said about you or didn't say about you, if that's really making you angry and sad and mad, you need to have something bigger in your life. Like a Spirit-filled experience, you know, like God in your life. We were at some meetings just a couple days ago, and Pastor Kenneth Hagin said, I thought he was joking, but he wasn't. He said, I don't have a problem with unforgiveness like a lot of people do. And I thought, oh, that's funny. And, I, and he, he was serious. He said, I don't. And I know one of the reasons he does. He said, people can do me wrong. I don't have time to fight back. You know, if you have time to be critical, you're not doing what God called you to do. Because what God called you to do has no time for you being critical. You have to stop doing what God called you to do, be critical, and then go back to, you know, you can't do them both. God will keep you busy enough to not be critical or offended or all this other stuff. And if you have time to be offended and you have time to be critical, two big things are happening. Number one, God's not the biggest thing in your life if that's t tearing you up. And number two, you're not doing what God told you to do because if you were you wouldn't have time to be critical okay I'm going to stop now before you hate me <laughs> let's stand up church sometimes the truth is like a scalpel ouch but if it's something you got to cut out get it out Heavenly Father thank you for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Just close your eyes for a second, would you? I'm going to say this as we pray. Father, show us all, starting tonight, and for sure in the morning, talk to us about the simple things we can do in our schedules and lifestyle to maintain a Spirit-filled life. I really believe I heard the Spirit of God say this. Feed on my word every day. Read your chapter Monday through Friday. Hear a sermon every day from someone that stirs up your insides. Pray and worship the Lord every day. Speak in tongues every day. And you will begin to experience spirit-filled living every day of your life. Make it a part of your life, just like getting dressed and eating is a part of your life. Cleaning and showering is a part of your life. Put on that sermon. Worship the Lord with a good worship song in the mornings or in the afternoon, whenever your day begins. And throughout the day, think about the Lord. Read scriptures if you can. Praise and worship God. And you'll find yourself experiencing spirit-filled living. Take it serious. Resist thoughts that say, oh, it's not that big a deal. Oh, I don't have to do that today. Resist those thoughts. Make it a lifestyle and your life will be sweeter. Your life will be more full of peace and joy.
Instead of just episodes of good times and episodes of peace and episodes of blessing, you'll live in it every day. Feed on the Word of God. Hear good sermons. Worship the Lord. Put on some good praise music. Pray in tongues. Pray with the understanding. And you'll find yourself experiencing Spirit-filled living. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to do these things. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Praise God. It was a good night tonight. The Lord helped us tonight. He really helped us, guys. I didn't have nine-tenths of that on my nose, so just thank God He gave us what He gave us. All right, see you soon. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab. 